but I think I won it the 15th time or 14th time. I'm James Zug, and this is Outside of the Glass. Before we get started today, I just wanted to thank everybody for rating and reviewing Outside of the Glass on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribing, and just spreading the word about the podcast on social media with your friends, uh, talking it up. It's, it's really been great, and uh, we really appreciate it. So today, we've got Ashley Blake uh, here on Outside the Glass, and uh, Ashley is... Uh, most well-known uh, right now for being a commentator for Squash TV uh, and coaching in San Francisco. She's lived in the States for five years now, and it's a great conversation we have here, particularly about her losing nine times in a row in the finals of the Irish Nationals, uh, and then the tenth time uh, coming through and, and winning. Enjoy. So were you born and raised in Dublin or moved there later in your life? Or no, I was born, I, well, I was born there, um, stayed there for two years, and then my father got a job, he's an engineer, mm. um, down in the west coast of Ireland, a place called Sligo, so we moved down there when I was two, and he, my mom and dad played tennis, I think, a little bit, mm. but the year we moved down there, this tennis club had just opened, and they were looking for founding members or something so the, someone knocked on our door and um, he thought this was a great idea because he had four kids three, I have three older brothers and he became one of the you know you put in ex- very little amount really when right. I look back on it and then we were all life members right. <laughs> so exactly. that's great so that's yeah and they had a couple of tennis courts they had six tennis courts yeah. four squash four badminton so we oh. did everything that's basically how we spent our summers and winters in in after school and on the weekends yeah and yeah. yeah so they uh, it was a pretty wow. easy and was um, it near your house like you it was you, about 15 minutes drive yeah. and then as I got a bit older and a bit more independent bike. I'd bike in the in the summer in, in the good weather in the good weather so <laughs> probably one day a year I was able to bike to the club but it was great because it was very much winter would be until I was about 16 there was a standard tennis and badminton in winter or yeah t- sorry tennis and badminton and squash in winter mm. and then come come the tennis season right. I'd just play tennis for the summer I wouldn't touch a racket yeah. and squash and That's then go back to it in August That's so great. Um, it was and it was a real community cool. spot yeah like everybody was yeah. there and yeah it was nice yeah it's golden years yeah were there coaches like were you training or was it more just like kids playing and uh, there were weirdly enough there were I've got a few uh, first time coaches when I was maybe 11 or 12 there were there were two girls who were ahead of me um, and they were competing nationally they were good in the in the squash ranks right and I was probably fortuitous because they someone took an interest in them this local guy took an interest in helping them and mm. making them better and then because I was behind I was only 14 when I was allowed to be able to be coached by him and, you know what I mean like I had to earn it and then, and then because he wouldn't wow. you know I'm mean, like you're right, you're, you're too young and not that well, good. well yeah. I wasn't yeah. so uh, I was quite lucky that then after the, the girl older than me Anna McGeever she was um very good player mm. she moved on and then I, he talked started to working with you yeah John sort of the opposite of the way it is here where it's like you know people coaches 
jumping on any player that you know they can work with. No, yeah, no, I definitely have to earn. You had to earn your way. Yeah, earn my stripes. Um, so that. And you started playing tournaments around around Ireland. Yes, I played. uh, Started playing when I was nine, and then just went through the Irish rankings until I was about uh, eighteen, and then I travelled from about the age of thirteen onwards because we had a really nice little European tour too. So we had the Scottish and the junior, British junior open. Right, exactly. But then we had Belgium, France, German, Dutch, all of those ones. So we could go over there, which was quite nice. And some of those were in the summer, right? Or were they... The Dutch was in the summer, but a lot were in November, Mm -hmm. um, September, October, November. I think the Belgian was... My brother used to play too, so he'd sometimes come over, we'd go over. He took me to the Belgian one. He barely talked to me all weekend, but he definitely he definitely travelled with he officially, me. Officially, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He told your parents it was great, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, he was there. Um, so yeah. Um, so you went to Trinity College in Dublin. So that, is that when you moved back to Dublin? Yeah. When you were after, after yeah, high school? finished uh, high school, uh, got results, whatever. Yeah. And then had zero. There was no idea in my mind that I would play squash it was I'd go to college right and right. Uh, it's a it was a four-year degree but I did have an idea to get up the rankings on the P, on the WSA tour at the time Wispa. yeah it was WISP actually and then changed to WSA right. um, so my plan was to to go to college for the six seven months a year and then in the summer mm-hmm. try and get fit uh, you know um, move up the ranking slowly so if I wanted to play professionally afterwards I'd be in a better position right. and I enjoyed college you know I was, was there a, a team? no 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 team. I played squash for a team Fitzwilliam yeah. Long Tennis Club in Dublin right. right but as such we would play intervarsities at the end of the year but nothing to the extent that it is like in America right, right. absolutely nothing right, right. No. and you, you did four years there yeah yeah so in America, when we think of Trinity College, it's like this famous literary spot, and you know Beckett and Joyce and yeah. Yates, and like, <laughs> like you know, it's like this incredible place. So, um, what was it like for you as a student there? Was it, it was you, great. You it, it was yeah. It, it's it's re- it's great because of it, it's iconic, yeah. and uh, I lived on campus for the last year, um, and you're my our business faculty was right opposite the long room which is a tourist um, attraction so there'd be right. lines of People. American tourists <laughs> mostly, American, <laughs> mostly American tourists out there and we'd right. be able to go in with our student card for free so the the long room was this beautiful library right. and you would go upstairs and there's um, just old books and a very old manuscript too was there too so it's uh, the book well, of one Kells. of the Kells yeah, yeah book of Kells so, um, but we you would take it for granted. Like it's a fantastic um, campus. It's beautiful. And yeah. right in the centre of Dublin, there would be we would have balls um, in the spring. In the, uh, any excuse for a ball, there would be a ball. There would be hockey balls. There'd be like any, not just not just for rowing. It would be no. Kind of it, yeah, uh, they're the we, we really they we like to dress up in that college. Um, but at the end of it was this Trinity Ball. It's the largest outside party in Europe. So there would be big bands coming. That would be at the end of the year. And, and you'd get all dressed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full on. Like it was a... White tie, black tie. Yeah, a mission. Kind of, yeah. And um, and it was outside. It was outside. So you would obviously... You'd have to be a student to get a ticket. Yeah. And uh, then you'd, 
you know that there was a lot of funny stories of people hiding because there's lo- so much housing on campus. Uh, people would hide in cupboards, so the the Could campus security right. would do a sweep before the ball took place to get everyone out of the college, and then we'd all go back in. But um, so yeah, the squash didn't really go as planned. Did you play a little bit years. at the Fitzwilliam? I and, did, yeah. yeah. I, play, I played a lot, but I didn't play enough to right to achieve that goal of kind of really getting a strong foothold in right. for and when and if I wanted to go professional. And you're having fun and yeah. No, I enjoyed my college life. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what 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 do you what do you read? What, what, what were business you business and uh, French. Uh, um, I went to France for my third year. Really? I went Where? To a, a place called Brest. Yeah. Um, right. West of France. Brittany. Brittany. Right. Yeah. Right. Look very like Ireland. Yeah. Lots of rain. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, beautiful, really nice people. Actually, very. Uh, they say that it's hard to get to know the people of Brittany but once you do they're very loyal yeah. uh, So, and I played squash there too as Did well. there was a small centre yeah it was very nice and a great way to meet people obviously as squash is yeah the communities yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, then you then you've graduated yeah. what, what year when 2004 oh god yuck <laughs> that's disgusting <laughs> and um then what happened? Like what? What, what, so what you the, decided to turn? The year of graduating. So we do four because years because we do our. We're supposedly supposed to get a master's by the end of those four years. So in that fourth year, everyone instead of like in the states, you go on to graduate school. Yeah. Most people are in Ireland. Go to Ireland. My course anyway. Go to like a center Goldman Sachs, or then they'll do a graduate program within those companies. So we right. do this milk round thing, and this milk round was happening, and I was thinking, I have zero interest in doing this. going down that road and at the same time the Irish Open was on in uh, Dublin and Nicole David was playing in it and I had known her previously because my father used to work in Penang so I'd go out there in the summers so I randomly had, had been in touch or played a little bit with her when she was growing up you're, there. you're almost the same age right you're like no, a year older two, uh, years, two years older yeah. two years older right. and she she said, oh, my roommate's moving out um, of our place in Amsterdam. If you, wanted, if you wanted to use Amsterdam as a base to train, you could. And I had also coincidentally been over to work with Liz Irving for a period for about two weeks one summer mm. and I just really liked Amsterdam. So that so the side. Just fell, fell in place. Yeah, it was really easy. Yeah, it was, you know, lots of people um, struggled. So I basically... Finished college, graduated, um, went back to Australia for a couple of months because I used to do the tour out there. Oh, so you, did you go and when you were in university? Did you go and play? Yes, events? in the summer. And you went to Australia, New I Zealand. I went to Australia yeah. twice uh, and played two summers yeah. and uh, played and trained in Melbourne at the with 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 Sarah or not? Uh, no, it was actually at the Victorian Institute of Sport. Um, hmm. I did hit with Sarah once, or, or not hit with her. I trained with her once or twice there, but they had this little setup. Uh, Roger Flynn was head of it yeah. back way back then, and uh, I trained there for a couple of months, you know, right. and then came back and then moved uh, to Amsterdam straight away. And then and so, what was that like? What was the first day there? I mean, you must have been just thrilled to be in this amazing city. And well, because it was so easy, it was just um, it wasn't that thrilling. Like it was, it was just normal. a regular. Um, you know, I, I'm here, yeah. and, and also because you know Nicole had had 
set it up she's so relaxed it wasn't a big it was like okay so there's your room there's the club there you should probably get a bike because everyone has a bike here <laughs> yeah, um and then i met the you know the different players and i'd known liz irving anyway because right. i had done a little bit of work with her right um so you joined squash city i mean that, that became your home joined squash city yeah they were very nice they gave us um exactly. membership right. which was nice and um, off you went yeah yeah and it definitely took a couple of years to get settled despite what uh i thought would be quite an easy transition the whole quarter life crisis thing when you're about 25 that kicked in because i could also see what my friends were doing who who went to college and then went right. on and then i was doing this completely different thing most of my friends thought i played badminton <laughs> like they they have which i really enjoyed because you could compartmentalize but at the same time it was difficult because here i was not quite having a structure in that I know exactly what I'm doing each day yeah. and trying to find hitting partners, yeah. uh, time on court with a coach, working out with coach works for you and all that kind of stuff. That definitely took, I'd say, the guts of two years at least to find my way. With and it. all your friends have jobs and are, you know, making money and you're not making any money. And Oh, I was making loads. No, I was <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It squashed. Uh, no, I get I, yeah, you're right. That right. was. Um, it was just such a different life for yeah. for for right. me versus what my close cohort of friends were doing. That's right. That's right. And you started playing in leagues and playing tournaments and getting going. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a hustle. Like at the start of squash when you're I think it's different now people are starting way younger and when they're going to college they're playing consistently and professionally all the way through college exactly and exactly but it also is to taste so I wanted to I had a you know enjoyed college um it was yeah it was definitely hustle you'd get your league team and then through word of mouth you might get a a French league team and then you there might be a bit of an opportunity for PSL league in in England Mm. but that takes time too you have to almost earn your stripes because if you're not doing well or if they're not saying oh this person's actually quite good for their ranking they won't get you to be part of their teams so that league training and then just trying to plan your tournament so you're especially at the start so you're doing three in a row if you come to the States you're doing one flight going to hustle your way around this country yeah. and then go back and then do some more training right yeah the whole scheduling is complicated yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you were famous for playing a ton of tournaments like, really? You, yes you would just play like you would do like 20 tournaments a year god I didn't think that yes no in fact so I, look, I, 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 look, I looked it up this morning <laughs> and it was like year after year it wasn't just like one year you played a ton <laughs> And all over the world. It wasn't like just one type of tournament or one, one country. It was incredible. Chasing the points. Um, mm. I think, yeah. yeah, that took a long time for me to figure out that um, certainly when, when you come over to the States, I would try and budget. And the unfortunate thing for people starting out is that I think that's where their focus is to just play X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Because it, they're close together and I don't, I maybe can take a bus to whatever we're talking people in the 50s maybe in the rankings and it's not necessarily the right thing to do for you to get up the the rankings either for your head or for your points because you're going to go to these tournaments 
and not progress as far as you want because you haven't actually put in the time to hone the skills that you need to and the experience of winning so um, it's interesting I didn't know I played that many but I guess yeah I mean you must have loved the travel or or, you know we're we're just trying to get the points or definitely in the couple in the first couple of years I would have just gone around um, playing a lot a lot Um, you uh, played in the Irish Nationals oh yeah year after year after year (laughs) it seemed like you got to the finals every year yeah at least half a dozen times yeah and then you finally won it so I know. What, what was happening, you know, Madeline Perry, or you know, you're running into, uh, you know, I ran year? into Madeline Perry for I think twelve of them. Uh, she is brilliant because she was always probably she, she is three years ahead of me. That hasn't changed, She's really, <laughs> she's which is great. Uh, but the best thing she had gone done what I did. She did geography at Queen's University and. Belfast she went on the tour and she just excelled went from strength to strength yeah. so for me having that person always up there and always she'd, we'd be on teams and she'd be number one on the team and she'd be so solid at number one it was brilliant And but then on the flip side I'd have to go back to Dublin every Christmas which is a lovely time it's the only time my parents get to see me play and they're sitting in the stands going yeah no she's lost this one that's number 12 so and then one year Madeline got injured it was a devastating accident actually and she didn't play so there was myself and then number three who's Laura Moylet and she we played in the final I was thinking this is it it's in the bag and then just the pressure of the situation then Laura did really well and then she won it that year but I think I won it the 15th time or 14th time and uh, it was so you lost that match oh I did I didn't even win the one I was Was on paper yeah yeah. my little chance because it's um, the pressure yeah I mean I I think that's why I I like working with kids now and the coaching element of it because for me the mental side of that was just massive there was nothing about squash about that match it was just couldn't deal with the fact that there was a possibility that I might actually reach a goal and then you sometimes you self-sabotage sometimes you don't that's right. but uh, it, it's much better when you're the underdog that's I think that's for sure um, so yeah I, and then the year the, the weekend before I went home for that nationals when it went well I went to a party in Amsterdam and I, I used to be extremely diligent about training. I'd be like, tick, tick, yeah. tick, done, you know, not, not going out. Yeah. And yeah. I went to a party and uh, my, a couple of friends were over visiting me. And we went out and I was like, I'm just going to, like, relax. I'm just going to relax and take it easy. So I did relax and take it easy. And then the, the next day, I was two days later, I was going to Bristol to train with Hadrian Stiff. And I was thinking, you absolute fruitcake. You've messed it up. You've done, you've been doing so well, and now you've gone off and partied, yeah. and you've ruined everything. So I went to Hadrian, and the first two days were spent with me, like holding onto my racket by its little end of its grip because I really wanted to fling it at the wall, but I was trying not to. And then I took over to Dublin, and just played, you know, each match at a time. And then the finals came, and because I'd done a lot of work with with Liz and Hadrian to just chill out on court mm. um, it, it came together on that day who did you play in the final? Madeline Madeline finally I beat her 
So it was it was weird. What was the score? I think it was three one. At the Fitzwilliam. Yeah, Fitzwilliam. Big crowd. Uh, I'm gonna say yes because my memory might be. But you <laughs> didn't feel delayed. pressure or like how? To, no, how I just played. I just and that's the secret of squash: just go out and play. Because if you do that, you the best will come out of you. Yeah. Uh, so that was really it was cool because. Um, it was, now, was that the first time you'd been there? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. So it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was very. It was so very what? How do you, I mean? How do you think about that now, years later, and talk about it with kids you're working with? Like, you know, that self-imposed pressure and the the, you know, the self-sabotage and the, and and the defeatist thinking and the, you know, when it, you know, it, it was the opposite of what should have happened. You should have won the other match and lost yeah, the match. Yeah, I know. But like, why is that? Like, or how do you, how do you how do you coach that? How do you talk about that? I think you just, that's the thing, you talk about it. Mm. Because everyone thinks that they're the only person going through it. Right. And uh, Susan DeVoy, who is a fantastic player, player mm. in her book, she talks about having injuries coming up to events. She'd go, oh no, my leg is, it's about, my leg's about to fall off, so I'll be lucky if I can show up. But everyone had their little thing yeah. that, that would give you a bit of a comfort zone if you didn't perform because you've done yeah, all your training. Yeah, uh, it's a tiny little bit of an excuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you were, if you did well, you were, you'd be going, oh, okay. So you just, to alleviate the pressure, everyone does different things. And I think in order to help the students now that I work with, it's the talking about it. It's the being open about what is their thing. And it doesn't matter that you self-sabotage it just matters how you deal with it and can you recognize it. Right. Um, and then the other thing would be if you put a lot of pressure on yourself. My biggest struggle with squash was that academically I knew that I studied, I got grades, X plus Y equals Z. It's with squash, you study, you do the solo, you do the drills, you do the match play, you have a coach, you have a fitness trainer, you do all these things, you go into the match sometimes it doesn't work right. and that's not fair <laughs> no. it's just not fair no, it's not. and um the best people i see out here are the ones that you know that they can play their way through difficult times um but the acceptance of i might do everything i might tick every single box and it might not work on the day is a big thing for juniors i think especially yeah. the ones that are invested in it that's right yeah, and their families are invested. Yeah, and there's all this pressure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if squash was a sport that was, you know, success was always related directly to how much you trained. I'd be champion. <laughs> I would be world. I guarantee you, Liz Irving used to be my coach, and she'd be going, "Like I don't get it. You were doing phenomenal stuff because I trained with Nicole exactly. um, in, in training, and then I get into the court and I'd be going." If I lose this point now, I have to get a flight home. She's, will I get a flight tonight or will I go tomorrow? I'd be at the airport with my bags in my head um, because things weren't going well. And the funny thing is we used to do match play in Amsterdam on a Friday afternoon. And sometimes it'd be Nicole David, myself, Lena Hansen, Samantha Turan, whoever was there. And we put $10 and we'd handicap it. And I'd be, there's no way I was losing that. Every Friday, I'd be like, yep. You'd be in them all. I, I'd be floating out the club thinking I was the champ. Uh, so, yeah, if training if training was a, you know, if, the, if only if that easy, and it's good that it's not. 
That's right. Because that's Cause what makes it super horrible. interesting. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. just said it. Now, I remember when I, uh, I talked to you when I was doing that piece on Nicole uh, a couple years ago, and you told me about that, that, that Friday afternoon, you know, yeah. as a way to sort of finish the week. Um, and, and you'd move, move up and down depending on yes. what you did in the... Yeah. I'm not even that money oriented, but that those like that fifty dollars were they were it was going in my pocket every week. They thought it was fixed. It wasn't. Um so Amsterdam at that moment had this incredible there were so many people there. And yeah. and I mean you were living with Nicole for many, many years and did you get your own place or did you seven well we uh seven years we were roomies and I Amazing. Moved out, I think. No, she moved out. She moved out. She got her own place. Yeah. And then I actually moved in with another squash player, Lauren Briggs. Mm, so um, right. she came over to train. She's an English yep. girl. She's actually Masters champion over 35. Yes, correct. Still flying around the court. And uh, we trained. She came over for a year and we trained. So, that was so um, it, it's, like, it was a real like crossroads. Like Everybody was coming through yeah. and working there and... I mean, that must have been sort of, you know, feeling like you're a part of this great, you know, moment in, in squash, right? I mean, you're living with Nicole. She's amazing. I know. Well, I mean, obviously, Nicole was number eight when we started sharing a house, and then she turned to be number one at the end. Clearly... So you do the maths. <laughs> I, do, I don't know. I don't know if that's as obvious to, in my head or to other people, but come on. No, it was, it was so cool, and it was so natural and organic. Right. And That's we had right. all different nationalities, South African, at least Nadea, she was there at right. the start of That's it. Right. And Americans. Americans, right. Ivy Pakoda was there, Marnie Baisley was there just at the very start of when I went over. Yeah. Um, because we were all kind of nomads from our countries, so typically Amsterdam attracted the people who didn't have the setup. Say in England, right. you had your National Institute of Sport. <laughs> In Australia, you had same thing, the same thing. Yeah. And from the European countries, and say Mexico and that, um, we, yeah. I think that's why we were all quite happy there. And that was the thing. Everyone was happy. There was no drama. There, yeah. was, there was never any Tension. typical female, yeah. you know, bitchiness, for want of a better word. Um, but everyone just got on with it. And the type of people that was attracted there were mostly the self-disciplined ones because we all had different coaches um, but we'd come together we would arrange our own sessions we'd, mm. if we wanted a fitness trainer we'd probably have to look around and find one um, so I think that's why it worked because right. people just got on with it and it was very supportive it was great yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so then you you eventually retired or did you come to the States first and then retire? What, what, no, what I happened? got injured. Uh, I had a big back injury and, uh, how'd you get injured? Just, just playing squash yeah. and traveling a lot. Um, yeah. it was one of those, it was probably okay. It was actually when I was doing the best I'd done and I, uh, back injury L4 and L5. So I was out for six months and as you do, because you're stubborn, you think, oh, I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm coming back. I'm going to be that person who's they're going to talk about for generations to come. <laughs> um, and I don't know if there are now, but whatever. Um, and I did come back. I gave it a, a another little whirl. And then the kind of it was an obvious, it was an easy transition to slow things down yeah. and stop. It yeah. Was, yeah, it was 
the right um, thing to do. When, when did you move to the States? In t- uh, November 2014. The Oracle NetSuite Open was my last official full-time, full-time tour. Full-time yeah. tour, yeah. yeah. And so you've been in San Francisco the whole time, right? Yes, yeah. And you're at Squash Zone. Squash Zone, yeah. But you were at the Bay Club. I was kind of, Yes, I did a little bit at the Bay Club before squash zone and i had a conversation with richard elliott who is a co-founder of squash zone and he was talking about this center that he was going to try and build or he was looking for a venue with evan goldberg who's the um, sponsor of the netsuite open and then he talked to me about possibly coming on board and Richard is amazing, obviously. He was assistant coach at Stanford, and he's a lovely gentleman. Yeah. And it was an easy, very, very easy decision for me yeah. to make. Yeah. So, uh, um, the commentating. Yeah. When, when was the first time you commentated for the PSA? Or? I've been doing it for years courtside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> always chirping always <laughs> away. Although they, we all do it. All the pros do it. Oh, so I wouldn't have played that shot. <laughs> Terrible. Look at the angle on the ball. No, no, give up. <laughs> uh, so really, um, that wasn't such a hard transition. No, what I used to do was play, was commentate a bit when I'd be out of the tournaments. Mm. And then when I moved to the States, I chatted to Lee Beachel about it. Mm. And uh, we talked about me maybe doing the North American ones because they've got Vanessa yep. in Britain and Vanessa does Egypt as well, so yeah, um, I yeah, that's how I, I got into it. Yeah. So, what have you learned from it, or you know, what what what's easy about it, or what's really hard, or like what's the big stress about it, or challenge, or? Well, I'm really lucky because I have really good lead commentators. So that's Lee Drew and Simon Park. When I when I do it with them, I do yeah. mostly with them, and they're great because I think we bring different things to it. Yeah. Uh, they are a lot more uh, structured and uh, maybe serious is the wrong word um, but their background is, is technical and because I, I I just look at matches and I think about the emotions and how the person is feeling and those turning points in the matches and that's the biggest thing because I think matches are won and lost and particular points in, in games mm. and it's how someone handles the emotions of what they're doing because if the emotions get the better of you you're not going to play your shot yeah. uh, so the hardest thing might be trying to convey that yeah. because I can I, I know the feeling I know what they're going through yeah. and I want other people to figure it out because it's not just about hitting a drive That's it's right. not just about oh I hit the tin she hit the tin she hit the tin because she's stressed out because she's never been 7-3 down against this person before Right. so uh, but it's cool. It's really I love it because I get to be around the players. I don't have to train twice a day, six days a week. But I get to kind of waltz in to a tournament. I come in the day before, not three days before, because I don't need to worry about jet lag. <laughs> no, you can do commentary without jet lag or dealing with jet lag. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the players are brilliant to be around. Very, very inspiring. Well, it's, it's enabled you to be like on the tour, but not have yeah. to be on the tour. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You see everybody, and and uh, do, do you get complaints? Do some of the players complain about about me? Well, something you, something, something you said. Yeah. Something I said. No, uh, I get complaints from Lee Drew, just about me all the time in general. 
He tends to complain about me to my face. Oh, yeah. um, he has some issue with some facts. I he thinks I make up, and I beg to differ because I do a lot Cause of research. Because right. I'm right, first of all. Uh, no, they people have been very nice. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. because I know a lot of players go back and listen, you know, watch the match, and so you know they're they're listening to your your commentary yeah. and. I know it's way easier out. Of course, it's way easier yeah. outside the box, yeah, outside right. the glass. I mean, so that's why I have a huge amount of respect for them. And I would like to think that I would focus more on the positive because it's so hard in there and it's so easy to talk about what went wrong and yeah, right. how so-and-so tinned out or, you know, crumbled. But the amount of work that they do each and every day just to get on court, just to make a breakthrough, they, they need to be applauded by that and they are for that. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think we we should, probably we don't as much, but focus on the positives of, of all of those players. Right. I think they're right. amazing. Outside the Glass would like to thank our producer, Grant Irvin, our social media manager, Laurel Holly and all our loyal listeners who have reviewed and rated the podcast, shared their enthusiasm for it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and most importantly, has spread the word by talking about Outside the Glass with their squash buddies.